Hey, yo, what's good, what's good, what's good? Welcome to Reflections of a DJ, the road podcast presented by DJ City. Big shout out to DJ City. I'm one of your hosts, DJ Crooked. I got my man, DJ Never here. Hey, what's up? I got my man, Jamie the Great. Yeah. And we got DJ D-Miles here. What's good, what's good? And we got a special, special quarantine guest right now via Zoom, co-founder of the infamous 143 Party in LA, I guess approaching seven years. She's a DJ, she's a singer, she's a dancer, she's a piano player. Uh, She has a background in PR and advertising. Uh, can you cook too? She could probably cook, right? <laughs> hey, yo, we got So Super Sam in the building. What's good, ma? Hi, guys. Thanks How you doing? What's up? Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I'm yeah. stoked. We got to get resume. It's long, man. Yeah. You just yeah. cut <laughs> I was like, Jesus. That's definitely like some Asian parent shit to like, you yeah, know, right? <laughs> yeah, very tight A, overachieving ass, head right. ass. Uh, <laughs> That's my lifestyle. I, I was like, um, quarantine's been really funny because I, everything kind of slowed down to a halt. And I was reflecting on it. And I was like, I don't think I've been this like idle since I was three. Because my parents, I grew up in an Asian household. So like I had homework and activities and school since I was like 18 months old. So like right. I've been very busy, which I, I guess my really long-winded resume Um, it's been like that since i was pretty much born so like this is a very strange wow actually doing a bunch of shit yeah (laughs) she's like what is this sitting down you speak of you don't know how to sit down and stay still i don't know how to do that so uh i've been sitting a lot more lately is it good though it's kind of good right to have this downtime a little bit yeah i think i needed it to Mm -hmm. be honest uh, mm-hmm. In a lot of ways. I mean, it's not good to not make money. So that's kind of weird. <laughs> but uh, yeah. uh, but it, it has been nice to just, like, I've just been reading a lot. I've really, like, it's put a whole reset button on even just DJing mm-hmm. and, like, what my job is. And, um, yeah, you kind of, like, you're pulled out of the, <clears throat> like, hustly part of it. And uh, then you just have the actual pure you have it in its pure form which is just like digging for music and um listening to a bunch of bands that you've never listened to because you didn't have time or like listening to the third verse of songs that you you know like uh, there's so many songs from like a big chunk of time that i only know the first verse and the first hook because like i don't have time like i just don't have time you just like mass download a bunch of shit you're like okay yeah this is the new shit and then you play it you rinse it but you've only played the first verse and the first hook Mm -hmm. and then you're like i didn't even know there was a third verse. oh okay so like it's it's kind of like making you it's making me like revisit a lot it's that constant dj mode yeah, totally constant DJ mode. Like, so now, like everyone's consuming music like a civilian, not like a DJ yeah. anymore. Yeah, it's a very yeah, different I process. Think so. Yeah, I think so for sure. Um, I've been like so since Quar. What do you guys call it? Rona? I don't know what you. The Rona. The Rona. I call it Quar because it's kind of it sounds like a little sassy. Um, <laughs> it's a sassy virus. <laughs> Since Quar, I've been, um, I've just been, I was silent for a long time. And then I started, I jumped on Twitch two weeks ago. Right. I, see, I noticed Twitch. that, yeah. Are you guys on Twitch? We're stu- we're, we're, we're cool. launching our Twitch on Monday. But yeah, how, how's that, that, how's that transition been? Like It's been 
really fun. Really? Um, and I don't know. Okay. Let me just back up. If I, I don't know. You guys know what I've, what my resume is or whatever, like mm-hmm. career, et cetera. But um, if you don't know, like I've been DJing for 10 years, mm-hmm. like professionally. So that's kind of a while. And I think that um, when I started, it was like mid Serato, early SoundCloud. So there was a lot of like, I think there was a lot of movement and different sort of sounds happening and different technologies happening at that time when I started. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was really fun, like that sense of discovery and then learning how to DJ open format. And then when SoundCloud came around, there was this like set, like really like big excitement to dig and like find new producers and um, tour and things like that. And like put together mixtapes that were a little bit um, left field, etc. So like, I haven't really felt that sense of like community and discovery um, until Twitch. So really? I, I would say like I could I was veering on the jaded end of the spectrum, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and then, of course, like coronavirus hit and then it just like smacks you in the face. And you're like, fuck, like this sucks. And then when Twitch came around or I started looking at Twitch more, I've felt this like new rebirth of like discovery and trying to figure things out and um, and uh like searching on how to you know how to dj in this format now i'm digging like for new music that's not just for prime time at the club right and you you know like it just opened up my mind it like expanded my whole mind and um again and i feel reborn in a little in a in a sense and then twitch as a community because it's sort of you know you guys are launching next week i launched last week like it's kind of starting to like people are kind of tapping in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's re um, reinvigorated the DJ community a bit. Mm-hmm. Cause you, you go to like four color Zach's set and you, it's all DJs and they're just all talking yeah. and they're just, Oh shit. Like I remember that remix and like people are just chatting more and like tapping in to people that they don't get to see very often. Mm-hmm. So it's like, Zach and then other Zach Z trip freaking who else is on that shortcut mm-hmm. and you can like raid different people's sets and yeah. like different yeah. rooms so there's just like a lot of energy not just with you and your fans but with like the homies that you only get to see when you fly into their city and play their club night you know that kind of interaction has been really really like fun for me and it's something that I haven't really felt in a long time. So, like, I'm really excited about where this could go. Yeah, because like, it, it, like it's a, it's almost like a new platform for DJs to showcase their yeah. favorite music, right? Yeah. Without exactly. having to worry about if the crowd is still with me or not. Right. right? right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so for you, it's it's like a way f- for you to express yourself and to play all this new music and old music, nostalgic, whatever, and just kind of just like let it go and let let your following kind of absorb it. And, yeah, and see exactly. Yeah. It's a really crazy like refresh reset button because you can, you know, like I think when I started it uh, a couple weeks ago, my first couple sets, I was like, listen. 
I know like I do one four three and that's I love it and it's my baby and it's one it's a certain sound direction but if you're gonna come here to my channel like let go of any expectations because I'm just gonna do me every time like I'm gonna play whatever I want so if I just want to play like Pink Floyd for an hour like I will <laughs> and if I want to like go super Indian and whatever like I'm going to do that as well. And if I just want to play drum and bass for three hours, I'm also going to do that. So like, if you come here with like, Oh, why aren't you playing SZA? Like just get out now. Cause no. I'm not going to do that right now. Like, That's not what I'm doing here. I actually don't know what I'm doing. So I want to figure it out on my own. You guys are welcome to come and hang out with me, but like, yeah, yeah. do you think, do you think that Twitch is a sustainable platform once COVID is over? I don't know. And I think yeah. that's what, I think that's what's low key exciting and also has a little bit of anxiety uh, attached to it. Cause I think that, you know, we're all coming from what we, what we have known for a long time, which is like, I know how much I make if I work a certain amount of gigs and I know like, I just, you have that routine in your head and what that flow is, uh, income wise, flow wise, like travel wise, et cetera. So I think there, you know, uh, I am gassing Twitch a lot right now, but it, there is a, a bit of anxiety there too. Like we don't know how long this is gonna last if this is gonna be sustainable, mm -hmm. how to even monetize really um, in a consistent way. Um, it's just really open-ended. So I think there's, it's two-sided, you know, like it's exciting, but it's also anxiety-ing. Anxiety? Anxiety. <laughs> 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 just making up words today, huh? <laughs> yeah, just making up, you can have that. Road pod. I made up a new word today. Did you did you did you feel like this wall or this obstacle in the beginning where you just felt this ridiculousness that you were alone and you were like just performing in front of a camera, or did you instantly just kind of gravitate to the whole process? Um, I think the process for me was really more of a personal thing at first. It wasn't. It's not. I, I'm not a stranger to the camera. I do have like some experience like hosting and I'm kind of a avid I, IG story user. So, and I also do a radio show on NTS. So I have some, you know, ex like experience uh, DJing in a very sterile room with no, no one there and like yeah, yeah. making energy. Yeah. Um, but I think what was really hard for me was just really wanting to even put myself out there for a while like I I know when it all hit like I just I was so withdrawn and I was like I don't even want to like I don't want to go on Instagram I don't definitely need to process a lot of the L's I just took from tours that are canceled and projects I was working on that are just they just evaporated into nowhere right um, yeah. you know the that's gotta uh, hurt right that's gotta really oh. fucking that's gotta, <laughs> that's devastating because like, you guys had like I think you guys had like a seven-year anniversary, like, party planned. You had a tour planned. And mm -hmm. I know your partner in crime, you, you were doing a lot of parties last year with uh, with Noodles, Kehlani's yeah. DJ. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you guys probably had more parties planned and events planned this year. Yeah. So I feel like everything just kind of got fucked up and everything got postponed, right? Yeah, or it did. Um, You know, like, and it, it's interesting because I think work from home hit L.A., like March 20th, but by that yeah. point, 
by that point, I had been dealing with cancellations mm. since early February. Like oh, I wow. knew it was happening. You know, you I knew it was happening because <laughs> the first thing to go is festivals, large public events, yeah. uh, tours, and entertainment. So like. Yeah, everyone's like, oh, my God, I have to work from home. I'm like, bro, like, I've been taking L's for, like, a month now. Like, I've been, it's been happening to me. Um, Every time you get an email notification, you're like, fuck, fuck. Damn. (laughs) It's so hard. It It was really hard. So I think that that, I had to, you know, really, like, just mourn the loss of, energy and passion and all this stuff that yeah we were cooking up a 143 seven year anniversary tour like we're supposed to be on tour right now last mm, year we yeah. did 12 mm. cities um you did 12 cities north, last year yeah across north america within the span of a month um oh wow and so we were i i'm very hands-on with what i do too so it's like i'm routing it and i'm booking talent and i'm doing the creative direction right. for all the flyers and the promo the, and the pr and the advertising all the marketing yeah, and stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so that was something that I was really gearing up for and putting a lot of, you know, my, you know, blood, sweat, tears into. Mm-hmm. And then, um, like, we had Mario booked to sing. Wow. Um, so that was, like, in the bag. Um, mm-hmm. What else do we have? Like, well, we I was training for a half marathon. Um, and oh, 143 was going to do the sound for the half marathon in wow. L.A. As, like, you know, like, homegrown sound for a homegrown marathon working with the biggest athletic brand, maybe biggest brand in the entire world. Mm. So I was super stoked. And we were doing like all this, you know, under, under wraps type branding collabs with Nike and like that just like, so um, there was that and, you know, and then festivals like fucking all this, the work that goes into making a Coachella weekend viable and fun and working with those brands and those parties. So that, and then something in the water, I was so excited for that. Um, That's Pharrell's festival. Yeah, Virginia. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like I was just like just super ready to have like the best year ever. <laughs> we were all there. Yeah, and we were all there, you know? Like it it just it's wild. I think even as people are like, "Oh, you know, like states are starting to open up." I'm like, "We're not I'm not opening up." <laughs> yeah. I'm not we're not opening up. And like that maybe there is some silver lining in that. Like at least we know now like mm-hmm. shit's not gonna happen for us for like a while like maybe next year maybe yeah, yeah. next year yeah. if so so I, at least it's i guess that's kind of like how my processing has evolved mm-hmm. it went from like holy shit like to fuck i don't even have anything left to give because i gave everything to all these projects that don't exist anymore to like okay well at least we kind of have a grasp on what this timeline could be and that we're not just like, Oh, okay. Now, now are we, okay. Are we ready to go now? Like (laughs) July, September, October, like that was the talk. And now it's just like, I think it's very set into my spirit. Like, okay. Middle of next year, earliest. All right, bitch, what are you going to do? Like, let's go. Like, what can we do? Um, so I think that's kind of where I, um, I was my process to kind of muster up the, energy again and the balls to like see what twitch is about like i don't play video games you guys play video games no yeah. not really not, not. Really, not. <laughs> i'm like, <laughs> like yeah. i'm like what 
what? Like, what is this? Like, what is going on on Twitch? It's so crazy. And it's been like just such a whirlwind. Um, and now that, you know, kind of have a little bit of like, um, back in my system, I'm like, okay, like, let's learn. And it, it actually has been really, you know, a positive experience so far. Yeah. So yeah, I think that like, that kind of brings us up to date, you know, like, I think things are starting to pick up in a really weird, unexpected format, like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's somewhat healing mm-hmm. in the process. It's weird. Um, I, I would, I've been speaking to different DJs and some DJs are have a lot of anxiety because they feel like their brand is going to die in the next yeah. year. You know, sure. like if clubs are going to open up next year, their, their uh, concern is, am I going to be relevant next year? Yeah. And then I also talked to like some of my homies, like, you know, like Sean, like uh, Sean G from Shaba, DJ, yeah. Yeah, DJ Moma from Everyday People. You know, yeah. those are DJs who have their own parties. Mm-hmm. And I've asked them, like, do you have anxiety that your parties aren't going to be relevant and you have to like, uh, you know, release or put out some type of like virtual digital live stream alternative for your following during this time? And I think both of them were like, nah, I think we're good. Like, yeah. I'm not worried about it. And I'm kind of wondering if, if you felt that way about your party, 143, if you felt yeah. like, oh, my God, we got to put something out there digitally. If you're like, no, nah, I think we're good. I think I think we can wait this out. And, and then when we do reopen, if it's next year or whenever, I think it's going to be a fucking smash. Yeah. Um, no, that was definitely a conversation that I had with, like, my business partner early days. Um you know, I was just like still in bed, like living a very horizontal life <laughs> um, those first two weeks, like hiding. And then um, he's like, well, should we jump on Twitch? Like, should we be on? We need to stream. Like, should we do stuff like every week? Like, we yeah. need to. Content, content, content. We need content, right? You got to get it going. Keep that name out there. I was like, and he's just, yeah, like, are, are we going to be relevant? What if people forget about us? And I'm just like, I, my whole, my answer was, and still is, is like, listen, like, no one can go out. Like, no one can go out. So what makes you think that once people can go out, they're just going to all of a sudden forget what they used to do? Like, it's just, that's, it's a very silly way to approach, I think. It's very illogical. Mm-hmm. I know where the fear comes from, but like, it's actually not rational to assume like, like, it's just like saying like, okay, if you can't see your parents right now, when you get to go outside, will you forget that you have parents? Like, no, like, will you like, assume new friends because you didn't see your friends for eight weeks or maybe eight months? Like you still will like love the things you love. Hopefully I I would assume that about people. Um, And so I think that, that does apply to our party. Um, I don't think these kids are going to be like, what? Like, what? Where? <laughs> who, who am I? Like, where did I, what's the echoplex? Like, what is R&B? Like, they're not going to forget, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think it'll be fine. And so, you know, that said, I was just like telling my business partner, like, let's take the pressure off and whatever we do decide to do, let it be from how we organically feel. Mm-hmm. If we don't feel like doing this for four months, let's not do it. If we feel like over time, like, hey, let's, you know what? Like, let's do an anniversary party. Cool. On on Twitch. Like, then let's let's go that route. 
but I don't ever want it to be fueled from this like fear of not being relevant Mm because then you start to lose the purity of it or like the heart, you know? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So Sean and like Drew, I I think are doing a really good job with Shaba. You know, I I think that the way they're approaching everything is how it is something I agree with. They're Mm -hmm. doing like, um, they're doing like some like Apple beats radio, uh, right. show right now right like a weekly show which is which is great yeah yeah they just had Simon and Addy do a guest set last week yeah yeah that's dope I I mean I don't think they need to do anything more than what they're doing if mm-hmm. they want to be cool but like um you know I love Shaba I love Drew love Sean I'm not gonna stop loving them and their party just because <laughs> of corona you know yeah. like and so yeah so with us like we threw our we threw our party uh in March and uh, on Instagram live, it would, or Instagram live. Yeah. And it was cool. I mean, it was the best we could do at the time. And um, we were really surprised at the reception. Like people really wanted to tune in. People really wanted the energy. People were fucking down. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm curious. How many, uh, how many viewers did you guys have in your IG? Um, I think without, cause Instagram doesn't, record statistics but i know that at one point we had about uh, over a thousand people Mm. in the room that's good um yeah so it would kind of fluctuate throughout the day we did seven hours of programming i believe and um so probably over the course of the day like close to 2,500 people or something like that so that was it was really awesome and we're like oh like should we do this again you were like yes and, um, you know, so we kind of hit that fork in the road, too, after that point. Like, should mm-hmm. we do this weekly since we're at home? And I was like, no, like, no, um, you know, I think we need to apply the same principles that we've had before coronavirus, which was we could have done one, four, three every week mm-hmm. for seven years, too. But we didn't want to like we wanted to keep it special. We wanted to keep wanting to go. Right. And I was like, do you want to burn us out now? Like, we should do that. Mm-hmm. Keep it once a month. Keep it special. Really work on it and be personally excited for it. Because I know if I'm still excited about it, that kind of, like, feeds other people energy and excitement. So um, from that, we kind of were like, okay, like, what's actually Twitch? And, like, how can we learn and is that the next move and so we moved our party for our seven year anniversary to twitch and we did 16 hours wow oh yeah um, (laughs) six hours 16 hours of straight up djing i'm gonna tell you things that were cool about it um (laughs) (laughs) what We are a worldwide, like we've been able to tour this party worldwide over the Mm -hmm. years. And Mm -hmm. so it was so awesome to book people and homies from all over the world to come to this one online room and like all hang out with each other and not have to leave and go to the airport 16 Mm -hmm. times. Mm-hmm. so like it that part was really cool because it was it was that much easier to have a worldwide effect without moving per se what um, what what, I, what other countries have you guys been to that 143 has gone to 
Well, uh, we have done, well, we've done all over the U.S. Yeah. And then um, Canada. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, so Toronto, Vancouver. <clears throat> Where else? Um, Montreal. And then um, in Asia, we've done Jakarta. Jakarta, we were doing three times a year for about two years. Really? Whoa. Indonesia? Really? Yeah, in Indonesia. Wow. So I would fly out there. Uh, I didn't. Wow. I didn't know there was a, a club market there, an R and B market out yeah. there. It is by far one of the most R and B driven um, party communities. Really, I've ever experienced. Yeah, it wow. is so vibey. So, um, <laughs> in Indonesia, in Indonesia, no one talks about Indonesia <laughs> at all. I, because it is so far. Like it is. It takes about two days to get there. What? <laughs> Um, they have, so like, if you even make it there, like, <laughs> then you know, they have, they have such a huge R and B market, um, because the way that they're clubbing their nightlife functions is, um, you start with dinner mm -hmm. and then yep. let's say like, we all get a table for dinner, right. At like eight o'clock, you can pull, you pull up with your friends, you have a full meal. You can smoke inside. So everyone's smoking, drinking, eating. And then it sort of bleeds right into DJing. Um, mm. And then so you're like, you start at eight. It's a buildup. Yeah. And it's a buildup. And it goes till four. Mm. Wow. So for the most part, people are eating, sitting, drinking, smoking, dance, like but it go keeps going. Um, she just did a whole choreography. Yo, she did a whole. <laughs> that's that. She did an eight count. That's the dancing. <laughs> uh, opening set is always like a cover band, so they have a huge like cover band um, scene there, and hella people play their own instruments and do covers of like Georgia Smith songs and like Al Green, and so it kind of is almost wow. like a wedding reception. <laughs> Style. I was gonna say it sounds like a sounds like a cruise ship. Everyone's just like on yeah. one boat for like twelve hours. <laughs> yeah, and so and that whole style of music is usually like R and B driven. So they like love Bruno Mars and they love um, D'Angelo and Maxwell mm. and um, yeah. So that's kind of the flow of that that scene there. And um, I think that one four three really fits into that market really well. They also have like a very um, vibrant streetwear and sneaker community too. Yeah. Wow. So all yeah. of that combined, like we would make collab merch out there every time and um, people would just show up and they would love to wear like graphic tees of, you know, repping 143 or whatever. It just like all ties in really nicely. So <laughs> we had a, we up until, you know, you know, <laughs> uh, we had like a really good relationship where I would go out there all the time. Um, where else? We also did Manila a few mm -hmm. times. And then in Europe, we've done Berlin, Amsterdam, um, Brussels. I feel like London would be oh, perfect right. for you guys. London yeah, is so R&B, right? Yeah. Um, but we haven't done those yet. You haven't done London yet? London and Paris yeah. yet? No. Wow, it'd be perfect. Yeah. That'd be super cool. Yeah. London is like, it w everywhere I go in London, they're playing like throwback R&B from the 90s. It's yeah, like I heard about London. Yeah, it's just everywhere. It's it's like yeah, isn't that just something? <laughs> <laughs> hey, so I kind of want to go back 
I want to go back because I, I want to talk about, and I'm sure you may be sick of t- sick and tired of talking about it, but I want to talk about 143. I want to pa- talk about this party because it's up there in L.A. party royalty with, I would say, the do-over, right? I would yes. put it up there with the do-over and Shaba slowly coming in to be this trifecta of dope parties from L.A., right? Uh, Dog, yeah. yep. It's a it's a Silver Lake uh it's a Silver Lake staple now. Right. You guys are kind of royalty out there in LA right now with this party. Yep. And one four three, I don't know. For some of you guys out there who don't know what one four three is, it's a throwback R and B party, but I mean you guys are playing all types of new R and B and everything, right? There's turn up in there. I've seen some YouTube videos of you even doing like a house set. You'll do yeah. like some Daft Punk, you'll do like some Sandstorm or whatever, and <laughs> it's whatever the fuck you kinda wanna do. Um, and one four three, I guess, means I love you, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a crack. No, it doesn't. <laughs> and it was, it was. You guys founded it in two thousand. You guys founded in two thousand thirteen with um, Party Time and Sick, right? Yeah, correct. And yeah. Um, it's it's funny because when this party was emerging, the first thing I saw were these dope throwback tees that were very reminiscent to like the old throwback tees in New York. And remember, like in Harlem, uh, never. We'd see the yeah, bootleg actually, tees, right? Exactly, like, yeah. yeah. With like Nas or Biggie or like Little Kim. <laughs> you know what? I think I have. Hold on a second. Yeah, yeah. get the tee. Right, right. <laughs> Can't bring the merch. <laughs> but anyway, no, that, that was probably the first thing I saw. And I was like, what the fuck is this? This is dope. Like, I, I haven't seen that shit. And you guys, and, and um, I was like, I, I didn't even know what this was. And I was like, I want to cop that tee. But... <laughs> Yeah, but but later I found out, you know, I I talked to people and they're like, yo, it's like a this throwback. Oh, yeah, you really have it. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I mean, look wait, yeah. let me see that tea. That tea is dope, man. Let, that tea is dope. dope. It's high production for sure. What was that? Ja Rule? Yeah. Ja Rule. That shit is dope. John B. You got John, John B. Yeah. Disco. Who designed who designed that? This is dope. <laughs> At the time, so the reason why all those people are on the shirt is because they had performed at 143. Wow. Oh, really? What a lineup. You had Ja Rule there? Yeah, we did um, Ja Rule and Ashanti. Their first show together in like 10 years. They did did it in uh, San Francisco on Valentine's Day. Holy shit. Yeah, I remember that. 2016. By the time, that was a three-year anniversary. Three-year anniversary, yeah. I wanted to highlight everyone who had performed at 143. Um, by that point. So um, Freaky P designed it. He's out of Vancouver. And at the time, he was making a lot of really dope, like, knockoff concert tees with, right. like, Drake crying. And, like, I think there were some, like, <laughs> boy ones. Um, he kind of, like, took that, like, sort of pen and pixels uh, style as well. Like Master P used to use back in the days. Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. For all the um, No Limit uh, cover art. So like yeah. kind of combining that with like bootlegging t-shirts and, and that's, and it's, yeah. That's it's funny, funny how like, <laughs> never, we like, we both saw the t-shirts first. We were like, yo, those t-shirts are fucking Yeah. Bad. Yeah. Yep. That's your, that's your PR and advertising background. Just like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying? That's really, mm-hmm. that really paid off over there. Yeah, yo, definitely. When, when I started hearing about the, about the party and, and it was so weird because you guys emerged during like the EDM era kind of. Where yeah. LA was That's just like, long. LA was infested with this like EDM sound, right? And yeah, so. Yeah, that's why 143 was this accident. Right. Like, it was sort of, I was kind of throwing shade because, yes, as you described, like it was 2013, it was, you know, 
anything in nightlife at that time was like all EDM trap and like just big drops and like, you know, Uzi and who, who else? Uzi, the producer and yeah. uh, R.L. Grime and all that like um, trap. Alvin Harris and all that stuff. Yeah. Exactly. So like um, I got this residency at Lock and Key when it first opened and God, you know, love Cyrus and everyone at Lock and Key. But, you know, when they first opened, they were like, oh, we want it to be a speakeasy. It's, uh, you know, we serve $18 cocktails with like egg cream and like orange <laughs> bitters and like yeah. whatever, <laughs> rose yeah. petals. And then I was, they're like, you know, we want to keep the music very like classy and jazzy and, but do you, but also can you like not play hip hop or bass or anything with like cuss words or anything that mm. is house? And I was just right. like, I was like, Oh my God, like, why, like, why did you hire me? Cause I don't, that's like all I play. So, you know, when you're up against the wall like that, you're just like, all right, like I need the, the cash. Like we want to keep our job cause we need it. But also like, how can I, what can I do that serves me while also serving their needs? Right. Wow. So this criteria. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. That I, like, I need the three, you know, whatever it was, 200 bucks, 300 bucks. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I need it. Like I, I, I don't want to let it go, but I need to do something that like works for what they want. But like, what can I do? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I was like, Oh, I know <laughs> like, we're going to play slow jams because it fits all the things, but it is the most anti turn up genre that no one ever plays. It will be the worst party ever, but I'm playing by the rules and we're going to get free drinks. And like, um, I have these two friends that we always just like talk about the dream and like Jodeci and boo 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 and Aaliyah and Brandy why don't we just like try to play slow jams really loud and get free drinks mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. I can keep my residency. So that's kind of like where it came from. It really came from like being put into a box and like, how do you be creative about it? Right. That's actually, that's, that's really great because it's one of the few stories that I've heard where musical restrictions, right. Actually yeah. gave birth to this, this new idea, this new concept. Yeah. So I just thought it was going to be the dumbest shit ever. Like, I was like, whatever. Like, well, they can't, they can't really tell me anything because I'm playing by all the rules, but like, no one's going to come. It's going to suck. Like, but whatever, we'll be happy. And, um, came up with one, four, three. We have like a list of, you know, possible names. And I think some of them were like Martin references. Like some were just like, just really like, Damn, like, Gina. Maurice. Shay Maurice was like the restaurant in Martin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> call it Shay Maurice. Like, I don't know. That's and awesome. then I was like, one, four, three, it kind of rolls off the tongue. It's a little like, if you know, you know. Easy branding. Right. And so like, okay, let's call it that and um, just see what happens. And then, uh, yeah, it really took off. Like, we had zero expectation. Like, no, there was no formula. Like, we were just like playing the shit. People came and um, it just kind of caught fire because what was happening, we were realizing it with the people at the party 
that like, oh my God, this is this like whole genre of music that pretty much everyone listens to by themselves in their rooms, in, you know, earphones or AirPods. Like it's a very personal genre. Mm -hmm. But all of a sudden you're hearing this weekend song like super loud with your friends and you're all looking at each other drunk singing the same words that you guys have probably never actually sung in front of each other. So everyone just kind of busts up laughing because they're just like, oh shit, like this is that, this is the shit I do on my own. And now I'm like with my friends and like, we actually know all these songs. Like Mm -hmm. usually we're in the club doing, you know, dumb shit and like yelling rap music, but now we're like yelling R&B lyrics. Um, And so I think that's what people were like, oh, like they left the first one and they're like, oh my God, like you got to go to this thing. Like they play Brandy really loud, like at at peak prime time, they're playing like Aaliyah and Tony Braxton. And then people are like singing these songs that they only sing at karaoke with their parents or some shit. And so I think that's kind of how it, you know, and we realized, oh my God, this is this thing that like we didn't know people needed. That's exactly how that's exactly how I found out about it because I was going to college at the time at LACC. And then somebody somebody's like, yo, let's go to this party. And then I was like, ah, oh, I gotta study, whatever. And then next month, I'm like, yo, let's go to this party. This this girl named So Super Sam, she's playing 112 Peaches and Creams at like midnight. I was like, yo, what the fuck? So we ended up going to Los Globos and it was a fucking fun time. Yeah, it's really fun. I think it's it was just like anti-formulaic uh, energy that like no one had at the time and didn't have a place for it. It just didn't have a place. Yeah, because Playhouse at the time was all hip-hop. Supper Club was all hip-hop. And then you had your other venues in Hollywood that were just EDM-driven, like the Avalon or whatever. Yeah. And then there was this one spot that were just playing the cool shit, and which was your party. Thank you. Yeah. So, I mean, it really came out of a, just an accident, but um, we just kind of have been going with it. Yeah. For seven years. So did it just, did it just take off like really quickly pretty much? Yeah. um, I say, you know, we had, we had some sound issues at the, at lock and key just because, you know, they were like, well, we need to keep the bass low. I mean, (laughs) it's really actually ironic thinking about what lock and key does now. Yeah. Yeah. It is so, like, I love going to Lock and Key for, like, the most ratchet shit. But, like, to know that at the time, we actually couldn't be at Lock and Key because they wanted to keep the bass low and like all stuff. And so we moved it to Footsies in um, in Cypress Park. So it's, it was a rock and roll dive bar. And it, it's, like, a 100-person capacity. And just from Jump, like, we had just such a... People were just having such a visceral reaction to this like very weird, strange party. Mm-hmm. So we had we always kind of had like a good you know turnout, and we outgrew that 100 person venue. Moved to Los Globos uh, upstairs, I believe. Mm-hmm. So just gradually, we did like upstairs, and that's a like, 250, 300 person room. And over time, we moved it downstairs, and then that's a 500 person room. And then we had both floors 
And then that's 1500 cap, I think, before the fire marshal started to come around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Los Lobos is, I love it. I just liked how raw and like kind of how like illicit they just push the limits of like what we can get away with there. And that just leads to like great parties. You know what I mean? Um, and then, but then the fire marshal started coming around. In fact, like they would just like kind of throw the alarms on. And uh, yeah, they put an end to that 1500 cap. Cause I think, I think Los Globus is actually 800. Wow. Supposed okay. to be 800 or 900. <laughs> <laughs> That's still a lot. <laughs> yeah. We just had this like nightmare stairwell. There's this, this fucking yeah. attack of a stairwell that connects upstairs and downstairs. And I would just worry about everyone so much. Cause these girls mm-hmm. were just like falling down the stairs. And like, I was like, I can't. Steep staircase. <laughs> it was a yeah. fucking circus. It was like, yeah. like, water dripping off the ceiling just everyone packed and it finally hit hit ahead on halloween i remember i was dressed as a taco and we had this like the oh everything was rammed but we wanted to keep it house party so we instead of setting up turntables in the dj booth we wanted it in the middle of the floor right so you know keep it raw keep it cool like whatever it's a house party but then you know they let 1200 people in and they're like you know sam if if you move the turntables up to the actual dj booth you we can let in like 50 more people and mm. i was like okay yeah so it's like 1130 <laughs> so like i'm cut Cut to me dressed as a taco, carrying a turntable over my head and like walking through like bodies of people up to the DJ booth and like setting everything up for when like the next DJ would come on and we just and then the fire marshals like coming in, the alarms are going off, there's firefighters, but it's Halloween, so people are like <laughs> <They're just laughs> they tell the difference if they don't the costume. <laughs> I don't get it. Like what is happening? There's just like so much. Um and then we moved so after all that we moved to the Echoplex and we've been there for about like three maybe three, four years now. Wow. And that's uh we do both floors, we do about two thousand people a month. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, that's kind of been our like trajectory, and I think people have just grown with us. You know, like not only our fo- fans and followers, mm-hmm. but um, DJ homies. I think a big thing, and I I feel like you guys can all feel this. Is just like when you get to when you throw a party, that means you get to book your friends, mm-hmm. yeah. and, like fly mm-hmm. people in and like hang out with your homies. And I think that 143 has always been about like building the uh, DJ family and like making it a safe place and a free place for people to like, you know, like a track will come in and he's just like, I never get to play R&B. Like, can I play R&B? I'm like, yes. Like, <laughs> 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 like do you? And like, it's a, it's like a safe space for people also, you know, DJ homies to come in and just do, do whatever they feel, get silly. Um, and it's a place for people to not feel like they have to be cool. They can just like act act a fool. And yeah, I think that's sort of the vibe. That's been the vibe like for as long as we've been doing it. Is it the still the last it's still the last Wednesday of the month, right? It's last Thursday. So oh, Thursday. when we moved to Echoplex, we had to change it to last Thursday because Dub Club does Wednesdays. Ah, uh, got it. Oh, initially we were every last Wednesday. Yeah, that's when I went. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm, so it's been a wild ride. 
for sure. Like looking back around that time in the early 2010s, there was like, yeah. I guess we would call them good music parties, right? Yeah. So like everywhere, whenever I would go to a city, I'd always try to like hit up a good music party. And obviously right. there was the do-over. There was you guys. I had uh, Momo, one of my boys in New York. He had um, the good spot. And I think um, Dizza and Raul, they had Peach Fuzz in Miami. Right. And it was uh, I think that was early 2012 or 11 or something. Uh, I remember going to check out those parties and I was just like, wow, this is amazing. And it was just like so um, different from what was going on in the clubs and what I had, what I was forced to DJ, you know, looking back in L.A. during that time. I don't remember any hip hop, R&B, reggae clubs or parties at the time at all. There was like almost no presence of it in L.A. I'm from New York and Vegas, so there might be some little bars or like, you know, when we would go to Hollywood or any of the big clubs or any clubs around there, it seemed like there was no hip hop presence or R&B presence. I was wondering if there was like some kind of like systemic racism in the 2000s in L.A. because they would automatically associate hip hop to like gang violence and shit. Like it just wasn't the platform for it. But then going into the 2010s, there were these amazing parties that were emerging. Do you know what I'm saying? And I kind of wanted to ask, like, what do you think kind of changed in the 2010s that opened the doors to all to all this music that I feel wasn't a, that wasn't available in L.A. at that time? And then it yeah. just kind of exploded into in the 2010s. Does that make sense? It was. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. I think. I mean, I do have personally a different experience because I think like I'm from L.A., definitely did a lot of bottle service situations like mm-hmm. um, my when I turned 21. You know, you're trying to figure out what's what's going on and who you are or whatever. Um, but then I think I as I was learning how to DJ in the mid aughts or whatever, like 2007, 8, um, there were amazing parties happening right. in it. Um, the firecracker and, uh, firecracker, the derby, um, soul sessions. Those were like all like really good hip hop driven parties, Mm -hmm. um, Chinatown. Um, those were people who taught me how to DJ. Um, you had banana split and you had, um, what else? Uh, Cinespace. They were doing a lot of like amazing, just like house and like, uh, like dance music and kind of mixing it all up. And then, um, yeah, and of course, DJM was just like paving the way for all of us. And then um, I think the do-over was big for me. The root down was big for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Low End Theory was an insane place to like listen to like underground things. But to to like speak on your point, a lot of those things were very segregated. I don't know racially. I can't really speak on that. But like I know musically, you had your backpack hip hop here bottle service rap here you had you know like dance music there and like everything was just like in its own space what happened i think to bridge everything together was streaming i think streaming changed everything because you could you didn't have to just buy one cd anymore you could you know listen to Dilla and that would take you to new jobbies and then that would take you to some some other other shit and then you just get lost in youtube you get lost in like 
uh, Spotify, and all of a sudden you can just download massive tracks, massive amounts of tracks instead of getting fucking doubles to Khalees milkshake or whatever. I have like weird doubles. Like, why do I have this? Like, oh, we just had to have it like at the time, you know, but now you could just have that. You can have everything and then mix it all together. Interesting. Yeah. In Toronto. And I think that that really changed the audience's ear. I think it changed my ear um, mm-hmm. just by sheer access to like music. Um, and yeah, with limited funds, like now you can listen to everything and never buy anything. That's fucking crazy. Before it was like, uh, like, you, you know, as a DJ, it's like, I gotta save like $6 to get this weird DMX remix that people seem to like. Like, I don't even like it, but I have to buy it. And like, now you can just like have all the music all the time. And I feel like that did start to change the way parties were thrown and um, yeah, visibility of different genres. And like, I think it expanded everyone's mind a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. When you look at your party and out like over the years, I've talked to people about 143. I was like, oh, I want to go check it. I want to go check it. And it's funny because a lot of people have described it in many different ways. <laughs> Yeah, sure. So, I've heard it. <laughs> so like a lot of people I know, they'll be like, oh, yeah, that's like an Asian. That's like an Asian R&B party. It's all Asians in there. And then someone like some some <laughs> some people would say like, oh, yeah, it's like a bunch of Asian girls and a bunch of guys with Asian fever from every race yeah. that you could think of. <laughs> and then another description was like, oh, yeah, it's basically a party where all the girls want to be like Sam and all the guys want to date Sam. <laughs> like That's what the room is. <laughs> uh, I've heard that one before, for sure. I've heard that one before. <laughs> so, <laughs> Are any of this shit true? Because I haven't been to that. I want to, you know, it sucks that yeah. we're in the, we're in core right now, like you said. But <laughs> I've always wanted to go, and I guess I've just been busy, and I've been working here in Vegas, and I've just been stuck in, you know, this whole world. But I've always wanted to go there. But would you say some of those are inaccurate, accurate, right on the money, totally far off what? Everything, every description I've heard of the party, including the ones that you said, minus the one about, I've never heard that one about, wanting to be me and then wanting to be me. But everything else you described is like very accurate. I I would say it is a very Asian party. Mm -hmm. It is a very Filipino party. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's a lot more diverse than people. um, I don't know. It's like 80 (laughs) like Filipinos and their cousins Mm because Filipinos go very deep. I don't think that's yeah. a bad thing, by the way. Oh, either. I don't no, think at I all, think, you know? I think, you know, I think there was a time where I did feel a little bit stigmatized by it. Um, but then I was like, wait, like, I don't have a problem being Filipino. I think it's fucking cool. So, like, mm-hmm. we're just going to own it and, right. like, be proud of it. And if you want to come to a Filipino party, be my guest. Like, come through because this is how we do it. Like, But don't you think that's some L.A. shit, too? Like, they look down on, like any type of minority or a person of color like like if that like oh my god that's like you know I, i've heard like a lot of that shit like that's like an asian party oh that th- those are all beaners that's a beaner party or like yo that's like you know what i mean like yo that's like you know what i'm saying like i've heard what's, that. 
What's a beaner? I don't even. I never heard that term before. This is a beaner. Mexican. This is a beaner. <laughs> Derogatory Mexican. I've heard like a lot of even even like. My, <laughs> you never heard that never before. I never heard that term before. Now. Oh my god. Even at the time when I signed, like I'm on scam artist management. When I signed a scam artist management, everyone said like, "Oh, that's just a bunch of like they don't manage anyone like dope. It's just a bunch of beaners from the ra- on the radio and radio DJs on there." And this was like echo. Yeah. <laughs> This was only in LA would I have this kind of talk like this. You know what I'm saying? You know, I don't... Again, I I think there are things out there. There are labels and identifiers, sure. Yeah. Um, I Do I want to let it affect me? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Do I want to denounce my own people? Absolutely not. So, <laughs> listen, if my people support me and they help me keep my lights on... I love them. So <laughs> keep it coming. And I, you know, I, I'm proud. Of, I'm proud of, you know, I'm proud of being Asian. I'm proud of being Filipino American. I think it is not only benefited me, you know, professionally, but it benefits me spiritually. And I think if I can apply um, what the way I grew up and the shit I like and the music that I like, and it attracts my same people, then that's what it mm-hmm. is. Like, yeah. I'm not going to be sad about it. Like, yeah, it's a fucking Filipino party. What's wrong with that? Like, <laughs> what's wrong with that? Like, I don't see any guys being like, oh, I don't like these girls. They're so hot and um, yeah. underdressed. Yeah. And they, um, they, they all smell like garlic. Hair. They all smell like garlic. No, 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 no. Easy, easy, easy. <laughs> they have cousins and they all brought food with them. Like, what's wrong? What's actually wrong with any of that? So, like, I do think like, yeah, I hear it, but I don't really, I'd love to just own it because yeah. the second mm-hmm. I stop owning it is the second it's not cool anymore. I've, I think it's I've, cool. I've, it's I've never cool. been around like Asians before. Yeah. I've personally, I've never like grew up with Asians. I've never been around Asians. So when people were like, that's an Asian party, I'm like, oh shit, like I can actually be around Asian people. Like <laughs> no, I'm like no, never yeah, around crazy. Asian people. So it was like one of those <laughs> things that made me want to go. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I think it's a really great, you know, I think it'd make a great vice, you know, op-ed or like it's a really interesting <laughs> subcultural thing that's happening and I'm proud of it. And I think that over time, you know, people do get over that stuff. The more normal you make it, then the more normal it becomes. And you, and that's just how it is. Like, I, I don't know. I grew up in a very diverse, I grew up in LA. So like, to me, I don't know. I don't really see color. Like, that's what it, I just know, like, I'm Filipino and I like what I like. And, like, if you want to come hang out with me, that's cool. And the way I throw my party is the way Filipino fa- family parties function, which is we're going to make you feel at home. We're going to welcome you in. We're going to play a lot of music. We're going to be dancing. We're going to be singing. Um, there's going to be food. There's always food at my party. Really? Um, you guys have yeah. food there? Okay. Like, because my thing is, like, I get hungry. Like, <laughs> <laughs> here's something about me. I get hungry. And when you throw a party for four hours, and I, I get hungry. And when I eat it, I get hungry, too. So, like, I always have snacks. Where, 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 where is this being served? You guys are throwing it in the crowd? Yeah, we throw it. So, like. And what kind of food is being served at the party? It started with like, you know, I don't know, in my DJ bag, I always have some sort of like high chews or starburst or like little candy when you're playing like, like I learned this when I used to DJ in New York, like 
I would play at 10 o'clock and finish at four. So I always have food in my bag. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And like, so uh, when I throw one, four, three, or I'm DJing, I, I'll be eating an apple while I'm DJing. I don't give a fuck. Like, mm-hmm. that's okay. <laughs> it's okay with me. <laughs> so then, um, yeah, I would share. I'd be like, hey, does I, I have like Starburst. Does anyone want one? Like, ah, okay. And then um, kind of grew from there. We'd have like, um, I'd order a pizza to the club because I'm hungry. And I'd be like, oh, I'm only going to eat one slice. Do you guys want some? Like, sure. So we start handing that out. We mm-hmm. And that's that's just sort of like the culture that's uh, that was created for our parties. Like people just know like we're going to feed them. Like we'll feed them. If we have food, I'm going to share it. That's what mm-hmm. a Filipino does. Like I thought you had you like a lumpia stand or something. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. <laughs> I thought you had like a stand. You were just like handing out lumpias and stuff like that. We've handed out lumpia. We've done like <laughs> uh, lumpia sauce, like shot contests. We've handed out turon, like which is like a Filipino dessert. Mm-hmm. I've handed out bowls of arascaldo, like that my that my friend's mom made. Like wow, I've flung Jollibee chicken to the crowd. Flung it into the crowd. Like I don't. I just think like that's that's how parties should be. You yeah. should be mm-hmm. fed. You should be coming in and being nourished. Like yeah, not- and that's then cool. af- And then after the club, when she had it at Los Globos, she had the the taco stand outside. Yeah, so, yeah. We've had we've always had like it's just been part of our whatever. Like mm-hmm. we just do what we aesthetic. Want. It's funny because maybe the experience that I've had in LA is that everyone always tells me there's Hollywood and then there's LA. And maybe my experience has always been like in the Hollywood sector. Yeah. And then I started learning more about LA maybe in the past three to four years. Mm-hmm. A little, or maybe like four to five years. But yeah, in the beginning, it was all about Hollywood, all the clubs in Hollywood. And well, that's, and listen, I think LA in general is, it's really annoying because everyone's so fucking Hollywood. Everyone's so uptight. Like everyone's very self-conscious about how they look and their image and like, do I look cool and am I wearing the right shoes and did I pull up to valet in the right car? And like, it's, I know that that is the generalization of how anything works in LA. And so it is sort of an active effort on my part and the parties that I've been so inspired by in the past to like destigmatize that attitude. And I think that we've been really successful Mm-hmm. with 143 in that way um for sure you know, to speak mm-hmm. on like the do-over i i learned so much from jamie and chris um i learned i got to watch djs like that was so cool like you could watch like surprise first of all they don't announce the lineup which i think is so unheard of that's so groundbreaking um so everything's a surprise and then you get to stand up close to like you know, A-Track was my hero when I was learning how to DJ. I got to stand so close to him. And then you had to wait in line. And then the line itself was a culture. And then you get in and there's food. And you can you can eat with your friends. It's during the day. Like, everything was so counterintuitive to, you know, standard nightlife, especially in L.A. And then the other thing, too, is, like, the sangria was such a culture, like, you you knew you were gonna get messy. Like it wasn't about looking right. It was all like a vibe. Like everyone was shoulder to shoulder with 
anybody. Like mm-hmm. it could have been a famous person. It could have been, you know, like regular, per- like whatever, like everyone, all the cultures mixed together. And like, I've, I've been, I was very, very, very inspired by that party when, you know, thinking about 143 and like what we could do. Like a lot of our DNA comes from my very drunken, blacked out years at the do-over and all the good things that I felt, like I wanted to carry that into 143. I thought it was so important. Um, same with like low ends. You can't wear nice shoes at low end. You just can't. Like they're going to get dusted. You're going to get shit spilled on it. Like no one's coming to look at your outfit. No one cares who the fuck you are. Everyone's just here to discover new music. And, you know, I think even Cinespace was like that. Banana Split was like that. It was, and that's like sort of the path I wanted to follow. So while you're saying, you know, all those things that you say are absolutely true, but I do think there's enough of a counter movement Mm. to like balance it all out if you could find it. But LA is like that. You have to find your pocket. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not like New York. It doesn't just present itself when you walk outside and you're just like, whoa, like everything's there and there and I can like go everywhere. Like LA is about pockets. How did you, how did you like New York? You were there. Like you were there in like 2011 for like what, like a year or so, or how long were you there? Sure, yeah. Um, I love New York. I don't know that I could ever live there again, but I thought it was really formative for me to go out there and you know try to live. Mm-hmm. I don't think I was actually there though for the year that I uh, lived there. I paid rent, but I was like, oh, I was on tour most of that. On tour? Because I just started DJing full-time. Because mm. mm-hmm. you initially went out there for a PR job and, and whatnot. And I think there was notes about you being in New York and just... I mean, New York, to me, is a pretty ruthless city for DJs, more so in the late 2000s going into 2010s. It just became an impossible city to make a living in as a DJ, mm-hmm. as uh, especially in the 2010s. So you literally went there probably, I mean, now would be the worst time to go there, obviously. But uh, 2010 was worse. It was, it was pretty a bad. Time bad. It was like people were ca- like, yeah, I think it was really bad. And it's gotten a lot worse, which is a scary shit, even before the pandemic. Oh, gosh. It was bad. I mean, I'm very grateful that like, so yeah, like you said, I moved out there to do PR. And instead of getting a PR job, I started DJing Um, and that's kind of where I like went full force into DJing as a living and with New York rent plus just starting to DJ. Yeah. Yeah. How was, how much was your rent at the time? I think I had a really, everyone says I had a really good deal. Um, (laughs) I had a really good deal. It was uh, 1700 a month for a two bedroom off of the L at bedford that's not bad like on north 7th and driggs i had a roommate so my our rent was like 800 a piece wow that's not bad that's actually not bad at all (laughs) (laughs) that's really good yeah it's great until you're like wait i think i was just like dj full-time i have no no full-time experience and i just moved here so like i think i first started djing at sons of essex um do you remember it's on uh it was on Essex. 
um, across the street from Beauty in Essex. What was your rates? What were your rate? What were you getting in New York? Boy, okay, let me tell you my rate. <laughs> I would play every Saturday from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. Right mm-hmm. for a hundred dollars. What? Um, Get out of here! <laughs> Wait, say that no one way. more time. For a hundred dollars. Wow. Hundred dollars, and it was. I took the train in, right? So if that's $2.25 off my $100, then I walked from like down 3rd Avenue all the way to fucking Beauty and Essex in my heels and the with the Serato and the backpack and the whoop whoop and then show up 10 o'clock, people are still eating and like it's, it's a restaurant. Right. So Sons of Essex is a restaurant with a DJ. <clears throat> and then it slowly turns into a club. But um I, they don't care. It's, it wasn't a booth. It was like a fucking pulpit, like an old pulpit that was like very hipstery. So I like show up there on a Saturday, not knowing I could find one turntable and a Sega Genesis, and they'd be like, "Okay, so you got it?" Like, and I'm like, uh, I guess. Like, what? So like, I learned how to like really MacGyver a DJ setup together. The worst, the worst equipment ever in New York. I like they don't service anything. Like it's just, it was the worst. So yeah. then I would finish up for collect my hundred dollars. And then I have to take a cab home for, it costs 12 bucks to get home at four. So like <laughs> all in all, I probably make $5 a week. <laughs> That's crazy. Wow. Same. Yeah. You know, like beauty and Essex, I would DJ, 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. also, maybe a couple hundred bucks, but you're DJing for six hours straight. Yeah. Like, yeah. What? Did, did you, then, um, did that, yeah. did that help you in any way? Those long yeah. hours? It helped me so much. I feel like I really cut my teeth, you know, learning the ropes in New York because, you know, after my stint in New York, I moved back home. My, I was just like, hey, like, if I'm going to do this full time, I don't need to do this specifically in New York. Like mm-hmm. I actually have a network in LA. I have my mom's house. I could f- really like go home, reset, figure it out on a much less a lower overhead. Um, and so I go home and people are like, Oh my gosh, like Sam, you lived in New York. Like want to DJ <laughs> our party? I'm like, ah, yes. Like, am I getting booked? They're like, okay, so you want to play from like 10 to 11 <laughs> for like, you know, 300 bucks. And I'm like, Oh yeah. In front of a, in a church, like, like a rotisserie grill and like a Game Boy, and like you're telling me I could just come to your club for 45 minutes, and then I could go home. She's on a Game Boy. Like, hello. So I was like, I was very like, after all that for a year, I yeah. was, I felt like a queen coming home to LA. Like, you really, DJs in New York, that's a grind. That's mm-hmm. a. Who are some you of, probably go ahead. Uh, go ahead, D. I said you, you probably have a perspective of things that most DJs don't, especially these days. Like those marathon sets really build you and shape you. And you you I'm, you're probably like one of those DJs how we are. We don't want to play the same song twice in the night. So that six hour set is just brutal, but then it, it just really builds character. It really does. I mean, not to sound like an old lady, like, but they don't make DJs like they used to. It was just like <laughs> such a I mean, and I came in like Serato's already 
happening, but it was like a lot of people still were not, this is like 2007, eight, like a lot of DJs, especially the ones that I learned from were not using Serato because they were purists. Um, and so I, you know, I feel really fortunate to have learned in the very original way mm -hmm. and to have like lived through a lot of the different technological evolutions and the streaming and my DJ bag is like this big now, <laughs> um, but it used to be the whole kit, you know, and I, I, I knowing that you came from there, it, I don't think I ever get like um, ungrateful for it. I think you always appreciate it. Are you, are you a tote bag DJ? You, you walk in with the tote bag? Yeah. You're one oh, of yeah. those? Like, I have. <laughs> <laughs> Darren would get along. Do you like that? Yeah, yeah. Right? He was like, yeah, tote bag game. As soon as I could put a USB stick and like hold earphones, like I was doing it as yeah. soon as possible. Because like, it's, I'm 5'1". I'm 5'1", and I was like mobile DJing on tour with two anvil cases with turntables wow. oh, a shit. whole yeah. laptop like a laptop stand i like used to tour with a fucking best tax in my suitcase <laughs> in my carry-on like damn yeah like best believe if i can dj like this i will and i have and i absolutely encourage it <laughs> I, i'm disgusted i'm disgusted at the tote bag <laughs> i love it yeah, no, I'm, I'm, you know what though like i won't i can't dj with like there are people who dj with the earbuds and like, ears yeah. i can't do that yeah. yeah i don't know if i could ever do that <laughs> and then there's like real foul play djs who like they like show up with just USB stick and then they ask you to borrow their headphones. Yeah. That's a nah. Not, not after this <laughs> pandemic. Especially after this. Yeah. <laughs> we're, yeah, no, we're not sharing anything. <laughs> yeah. Sam, uh, were there any DJs in New York that you really, that you really loved and you listened to and you're like, holy shit, this is, they were great. Yeah. Um. Let's see. When I was coming up, DJ Wonder, Excellent. Trust DJ yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah. yeah, great DJ. Like, let me play on J45. Um, this is my dog. Um, oh. Who else? Um, yeah, great guy. Like, he's on Twitch now, and he's we've been, like, tuning into each other's sets. And mm -hmm. he's definitely helped me um, get my feet wet. Who else? I think Jasmine Solano. Well, she lives in L.A. now, but yeah. when I'm DJing a lot in New York, um, he's the first girl DJ that I met out there. And she was super nice. We've been friends ever since. I just played her Twitch party as well. Right. Um, <laughs> well Get Live is so amazing. Get Live, um, yeah. Love Get Live. Um, I've heard a lot of great things about him. I haven't heard him yet, but he's. I've heard a lot of great things about him. Yeah. Is DJ Soul still? Yeah. Yeah, he's still out there. Yeah. I used to go to a lot of his sets. Yeah. Um, who else? Soul is amazing. Yeah. Who else is out there? Jubilee. Um, do you know Jubilee? Yeah, I've I've never I've met her like once or twice, but I've never heard her DJ. And mm -hmm. I've heard once again, I've heard so many great things about her. You know, and I she just dropped an album. Actually, you you've been doing music too. You've been singing. Uh, uh, yeah. You've been the, you had a couple EPs drop, and I I was actually listening to them, and they're they're actually really they're good. They're really good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm proud of that. I um, put out a couple EPs. Um, 
you know, like back when I was in high school and like middle school, I did a lot of musical theater and dance um, before I ever DJed. And so I thought that, I think I was like, oh, should I produce music? There was a point in my DJing that I was like, oh, maybe I should make my own music. Should I be a producer? And like, should I like try? And I definitely tried, but I wasn't like very passionate about making beats. Yeah. Um, Wait, so did like, you make the beats for all this music that you did or no? No, no, no. Oh, okay. no. I definitely, I tried making beats. I have Ableton, do, 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 do. And I you know, got like folders of snares and I, I just keep it all the way real. I don't, I'm not passionate about making beats the way like some of my colleagues are. And it would be a very big disservice to all of us if I was frauding as like a DJ and I, <laughs> so like but I love to sing I love to dance and so I was like oh why don't I if I put out music I would definitely like to like you know showcase like vocals and like make music that I could dance to on stage like that would be more of my mm-hmm. you know natural authentic way of creating and so that's kind of like the path that I followed um mm-hmm. yeah I put out two EPs toward toward them that was really fun was that um, was that uncomfortable too did you feel weird being a dj and then dropping original music and then kind of doing that yeah i i get i was really self-conscious for sure because i like oh i don't, I don't know like i guess i'll just play my own song but that's so fucking weird i just right. i thought it was weird. um so it definitely felt awkward for a while and then slowly over time i think i've just gotten just a little bit more comfortable in my own skin and confident um with who i am and what i've created Mm -hmm. it's not all like sort of a personal evolution but um yeah i think (laughs) it was crazy too because like i could get booked for a dj gig but then i was like putting out music so i would like on the slide be like okay yeah i'll come dj (laughs) this show for a 1500 person room but why don't i like open my dj set with like two songs that i sing and i was just like i would just sort of like parlay dj bookings into like singing shows Mm -hmm. and that sort of like evolved into like i would basically open for myself so you would sing before you um dj yeah, your girl was doing the most. Like I had this one. <laughs> I had this one. I like looking back. I'm like, God, I am actually an insane person to think like this was like in any way, shape, or form normal. But like, I had this one set. I was opening for the Dream in mm-hmm. San Francisco. They booked me as a DJ, and I was like, okay, so I'm gonna. It's like 1,500 person um, show. Okay, so I'm gonna like come out and sing, Mm -hmm. and I'm gonna lay all my performance tracks into this one, build this one big track, and it's three of my performance tracks, and then it goes straight into Waka Flocka Flame. Um, It's a party. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just gonna bleed all into this at the beginning of a DJ set of a real. like let's go DJ set so I was like this 12 minute track that I like put together on Ableton and like mm. yeah I just came out like blah, 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 do, 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 do. and then I'm like, download me on Spotify here's another track 
here's a song I wrote. And then and then it like went straight into Waka and I was like, Rambo like Rambo. <laughs> <It's the boom. laughs> I go hard in the motherfucking paint. DJ for an hour and fifteen minutes. Like, who does that? And That's kind of smart. <laughs> I think that that would be okay. I mean, it worked out fine, but like, mm -hmm. I was very tired during those days. <laughs> have you noticed? <laughs> have you noticed though that a lot of younger DJs are doing what you did though? They're they're creating this large performance aspect of DJing. So they're DJing and then they're walking in front of the on stage and then they're performing other people's songs we doing all of these dance yeah. moves and then yeah. going back and stuff like kind of like what you were doing but with other people's music oh, yeah. and stuff I, I actually enjoyed a lot of your songs I really like that one song So oh, yeah. it was kind of like jazzy jazzy fey vibes a little bit it was really good are you going to yeah, work on are you going to work on anything during this time or um well I did hit if I can be fully 100 I hit like a wall last year mm. i mean if i what i just described to you the show that i just described to you right. i did that a lot <laughs> i did that a lot for like two years wow. straight and i don't i'm not signed mm. and i don't have a manager and i don't so i don't have a label i don't have a manager so a lot of what i do I do everything by myself, right. you know? mm -hmm. um, and so I definitely kind of got burnt out. Um, and between being in the studio, I'm like, you know, I think you need to be in a really good headspace to create. And I think with all, everything going on and me trying to like finance my own music videos and like all this stuff, like I did, I burnt out really hard. Cause your, so your music I, videos were were really good. Yeah. It looked like there was you put a lot of money and time into that shit. Yeah, were, <laughs> yeah, I did. I like produced all of them. I like co-directed some of them. I definitely financed was, all of them. Um, there was a couple racy ones. They were like you know pretty. I was like, okay, she's going out there. She's 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 <laughs> going. <laughs> She might. She might. She might. Um, yeah. She's going out there. She's showing it. She's getting yeah. her sexy on. She's getting her re re on. She's trying to go out there. Yeah. <laughs> that have hoodies on it. Uh, that wasn't a hoodie. Um, <laughs> I think I saw you perform. Headphones. That's weird. Um, yeah, I went to a couple creative places. <laughs> yeah. Did you perform when you did the Las Vegas pool joint? I can't recall if you performed there. No, okay. I was there. So you did the so you did a one four three in Las Vegas, right? We did at Park MGM. Yeah. But yeah, I mean it was cool. We got to try it. Um we had never done Vegas before. Never I mean, I had been asked to play Vegas a bunch of times um leading up to that night uh, that day. And um it's just I'm I, I like doing bottle service sometimes, but for the most part, I am come more alty. Like um, what I just said for like the past hour and a half, I do whatever the fuck I want. And so mm -hmm. if I don't want to play like weird EDM, then I'm, I don't want, mm -hmm. it's okay. Like keep the bag. Like I don't mean, I don't want to do that. Like, so that's your thing. Yeah. Oh, um, I, I did hold out a bit, you know, on playing Vegas, even though there's some really nice opportunities and really, really, kind offers and stuff but i felt like this chance to you know now like someone wants to bring my party to vegas 
after seeing the way we do it, like that is the most ultimate compliment ever. It's like, mm -hmm. now you're not asking me to change who I am to come to Vegas. You're come, you're asking me to be who I am and yeah. go to Vegas. Yeah. And I was mm -hmm. like, this is so fucking great. Like, um, really thankful. I think Roy Choi had a lot to do with that um, yeah. decision. Yeah. Yeah. And I, he's just been such a cheerleader and um, supporter of me for so long. So I, I feel really good about being able to go there. And I was like on a billboard. It was mm -hmm. like very cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was dope. And we brought our whole crew. Like we brought 20 people from LA to mm -hmm. like help start it. But yeah, again, I mean, it was weird for us because it's not – it was our first time we didn't yeah. we didn't know what to expect mm -hmm. um would i do it again absolutely absolutely my yeah. parents went and they my dad oh, wow. so faded <laughs> <laughs> and he was like dancing with the belly dancers it was just like, oh, that's dope <laughs> that's cool. it was very cool yeah i'll do that again so for right now we can catch you on twitch right yeah. and uh you're on the radio as well or yeah, so I am uh, currently, I'm on Twitch. I have, as I'm learning, I'm learning, like, it, best practices is to have a set schedule. Right. So that way people mm -hmm. can really tune in mm -hmm. um, and to be consistent. So, like, um, you, you'll see when you launch yours. It's, like, kind of addicting. But, um, yeah, so I'm on Twitch Tuesdays and Thursdays, 7 p.m., and then Fridays at 1 p.m. Um, and then I have an NTS radio show that's every month. So you could tune into that as well. It's called Pickles Radio. It's named after my Your dog. dog. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at, just floating around the internet, doing weird stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Thursdays at 7 p.m., I'm, like, not DJing. I'm going to do, like, do you know like food food eating videos streaming? ASMR? It's like it's called mukbang. Oh yeah, mukbang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mukbang. It's like a Korean term for eating video. Mm -hmm. So you're gonna be eating on no. camera? Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna do one this week. Wait, where um, where? On like YouTube or something? On Twitch. On, on Twitch. Twitch. Yeah. So she's gonna be conversating with the chat as she's eating. Wait, is yeah. that when like there's like a like a ton of food in front of you, and you're just yeah. stuffing the shit in your mouth. Wait, why exactly. do you have interest? <laughs> why do you have interest in this? What is this? Well, I think um, I mean food and eating food during my DJ sets, like pretty, um, pretty. So you're like, fuck the music, fuck the DJ, just focus on the food. And that's it. Yeah, like I eat a lot on my Instagram, and I also cook a lot. So like the food. Lane is not too foreign to me, but I've never done like a mukbang video, so I'm gonna try it, and I think it'll be a nice—I don't know—I think it'll be a nice variation from, you know, DJ sets. Is this like mm -hmm. fetish? What is this? If she's gonna she's gonna get a bunch of creeps, like a bunch of freaky ass motherfuckers in her. No, <laughs> this is a whole like genre of of YouTube. If you Google, if you go on YouTube, you see a bunch. 
That and ASMR eating videos. I don't know why people like to watch that, but they get millions of views. <laughs> is it for like what is it for like people who are on diets who can't eat and they gotta like I, watch that shit? No, I, listen, I don't know. <laughs> Go on YouTube and you'll see millions of views on people doing mukbangs no, and listen, stuff. Like that. If I'm gonna be on a platform where people like to watch other people play video games, like I want to do too, which is gonna be eating dinner. Yeah. Um, so like I'm gonna start with Jolly Bee, which is like the Filipino fast food. Um, yeah. And and then we're just going to go from there. I mean, I think like, I, I I love food. I love cooking it. I love eating it. I love talking about it. So this is, I think it'll be okay, but I don't know. We'll see how creepy it gets. <laughs> <laughs> Can you go- what she's great for. We're just going to all figure it out. How, but how long are you going to eat for three hours straight or two hours straight? Or how long do you think the stream might go for? Do, I think I'm going to do one hour. Um, mm. But I think I'm going to do... <laughs> Crooked looks so... <laughs> yeah, he's, he just doesn't know. He's like, I yeah, I'm going to try it. Uh, I'm going to do a Q&A as well. So I'll have stuff to talk about. I also like like talking about food as I'm eating it. So this is also okay. Mm. Um, but <laughs> um, I'm thinking in the future, I would like to sort of like comment on music videos. Like maybe like... I'm eating In and Out, my mm-hmm. my specific order from In and Out, talking about it, but then also running through all the Destiny's Child music videos and talking nice. about that. So there's like, I don't know, we're just we're figuring. The wheels are turning. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> I think you can you can learn a lot through food. You learn a lot about a person through food, um, and I think it'll be a cool. I'm still spinning my wheels about it, but like, it'd be cool to like support. The local food com- community mm-hmm. in LA as well, like what do you say? Postmates involved, and um, like I have a friend who does this, like you know Williamsburg. It was it Williamsburg, like food thingy on Sundays. It's like Smorgasburg. Mm-hmm. Oh, in Bro- oh, oh, yeah. Brooklyn. Uh, Wait, yeah. in New York. Yeah, it's in yeah. New York. But they have one in LA as well. They do. Yeah, sort of like a night market um, of like food vendors. Oh, okay. They're all, you know, everyone's taking a hit. So I feel like that could be a nice way to like feature, you know, not just foods I like, but foods I want to try. Talk about it and and support small restaurants in LA. <laughs> Am I selling you yet? Are you? No, I'm wondering. I'm wondering. If, I'm wondering if the if it's. Do you have to like talk with your mouthful too? Is that like the cool thing about it? I don't no, know. it's just no. eating and t- you talking, you conversating, bro. It's not that much into it. And maybe I'm trying to think of like the. You're trying to really dissect it. It's, I'm it's trying to think as... what what the freaky aspect of what were people trying to see? Like, <laughs> oh my god, dripping off their ma- like I don't know, like some crazy like just shit. Barbecue sauce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like you know, like the more grotesque it is, the more. Like, the way she wipes it off. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't Whatever. know. I don't. I don't particularly know what the fetish could be, but I'm sure it. They'll figure it out. Oh, you, you're gonna find out. You're gonna find out. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick, we're you go find out, and I will absolutely report that as my findings. But like, you know, like, trust me, like you're definitely not the only person who's like very confused by this. Like my boyfriend is like, not nah, do it, do it. Like, yeah. Really? I'm like, yeah, I just have to have dinner on Twitch, and he's like, I don't know, man. There's a lot of fucking weird people. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're gonna find them all, like. <laughs> 
Can you go get Leo's tacos for me and eat that? Because I miss Leo's tacos, man. So you're you're in New York or Vegas? Vegas. I'm in Vegas, but I'm from when Silver Lake. You out there? Two years ago. Oh, so yeah, Leo's is really close to my apartment. I go to the one in uh, Echo Park or the one on Western and Sunset. Mm. So yeah, just get some Leo's tacos for me and then you have a you have out. a new subscriber here. I know, right? I'm, 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 I'm gonna tune in. I'll, I'm moderating the chat. Thing. Yeah, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna need some mods. For okay, so your guys' Twitch launches soon. Monday, May twenty fifth. Cool. Yeah, I love it. I love that you have everything already for it. Like I've just been like researching green screens and like. Mm -hmm. Oh, this this was the biggest pain in the ass. I I think <laughs> setting up. I think for a lot of DJs, setting up the Twitch. The hardware, learning the the OBS yeah. software, you know, learning all of this shit has been quite an obstacle. A lot of DJs are like going fucking nuts doing it. But then there's some DJs like Wonder, Shortcuts yeah. who are just excelling at that shit. They're just doing amazing yeah. shit. Yeah. Zach is like killing it. Yeah, Four Did Colors Zach's doing great. Yeah. How do you know everything? So I've just been like, yeah, just like scoping everyone's setup. But yeah, five, uh, like five tagged me in something a zoom call that he was on with like vice and like four other people dj like okay so i think on twitch there's this thing called a raid and then um i don't know sam just showed up in this other dj she raided four color zach and like vice was like what's a raid bro like, <laughs> like all talking about it like dude i'm same like we're all having these conversations and mm -hmm. i think it'll be it's, it's, kind gonna, of, it's kind of it's kind of interesting because it reminds me of like when Serato was first coming out. We're like, oh yeah. yeah, like you don't you don't do relative mode. You're like you're an absolute. You're a fucking yeah. you're, you're trash, bro. Like you know, so fun. And then like you remember when the dicers came out? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, do you have the dicers though? I have the dicers. <laughs> the little corner. Yeah. Were you a dicer girl? Were you a dicer girl? Did you set that shit up? Huh? Yeah, I have. Okay, so for the past <laughs> week I've been setting this up. And I have this box of like 87 RCA cables and like random cables, right? So I plugging everything in. I'm like, oh, XLR, and, this, and then at the bottom of this box of cables is like my dicers. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like looking at my Twitch setup, like, how could I use these dicers <laughs> in 2020? Um, yeah, I had dicers. I didn't really use them though. Like, I thought they looked cool, but I didn't. I, didn't really I just hated the openers who had dicers because they would have to <laughs> unhook that oh, shit, oh, and I'd yeah. be and I'd be standing there like, "Are you done? Like, did you really?" I was, need, I was but did, I was one of those openers. Yeah, did, did you really need to hook this shit up? Did you really need to hook this shit up? Did you really need? <laughs> It's a light flex. Set for your opening set. Yeah, for yeah. your opening set. You needed cue points right next to the fucking, <laughs> to the vinyl. You just needed that shit. Couldn't reach over to your laptop, right? <laughs> Hated that That's shit. That's hella funny. Yeah, DJing is fun. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys all play on Serato or like uh, US, uh, yeah, USB sticks? A lot of Serato. Yeah, we're all on Serato. Serato. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people have been switching over to Recordbox. Yeah. Like my boy Rocticon switched over to Recordbox. He did? Yeah. And I'm like, why? He's like, dude, it's just so much better. And I'm just like, I, I'm not going to even get, I'm not going to get involved. Is, yeah. This is also on that shit too. Yeah, this is yeah, doing yeah, Rekordbox. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's been trying to convince me that he can do a whole night on flash flash drives on, on sticks. sticks. On sticks, and They're I think he's whole night like ten to four. 
Yeah, like he's been telling me he can do it, but I, I think he's full of shit. I don't think he can do it. Because every time I see DJ, he has his fucking laptop with him. So it's a, I mean, switching over is really hard. I'm not going to lie. Like, I think it took me a full year to, like, switch. Oh, so you're on sticks. I've been on USB sticks for four years. Mm-hmm. Is, oh, that, wow. is that through Rekordbox or is it just? Through Rekordbox, yeah. Wow. I think when I started touring, like, when I started touring a lot is when I just, you just show up at fucking in a Swedish basement and then you're like, wait, what is this? Is this a turntable? Like, I don't know. Like, it just got really nutty, like, for me, like, touring with Serato because you just don't know what you're walking into mm. most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then clubs, especially in Europe, they don't service turntables anymore. So I just was like, okay, I'm going to try to like, I think my last laptop crashed and I was like, this is a sign. Like I got to like figure this out because I can't be bringing a laptop to the club anymore. Um, and, but it took a long time. I have to say. It what, are the, what are the benefits of Rekordbox? To you, to me, I mean, as, definitely. A, as opposed to using Serato, you know what I mean. I always felt really anxious bringing a lot of things with me to the function. So, like when you really zoom out, like you are bringing upwards of like three thousand dollars worth of like gear to a drunken, like dark place late at night, which. <laughs> It's just like after a while, you're like, wait, could I not have to do this? Like, so like you, when you lose your needle, when you lose your needles, that's like a huge like headache. And then when you lose your charger and then half the shit doesn't work the right way. And it takes like five minutes to transition. And half the time it just doesn't work right for some reason. And then I was playing internal most of the time. And, you know, I think also... <clears throat> so that was one reason but the other reason too was as i was starting to play like 143 or i was like touring a lot with selection and those were a lot of my work moved away from open format and long sets where i need every i need all of wu-tang's discography or what have you or mm-hmm. like the star wars soundtrack whatever the fuck you're carrying around you're carrying around terabytes <laughs> of music that you don't actually need um so like I was just like, oh, I'm I'm finding that I'm either only playing r and I'm playing one hour sets that are like shows and not like catering to the crowd um, necessarily. Like they're here to see what I have to play mm-hmm. and I don't have to play. <laughs> can you play back that awesome? It's my friend's birthday. Like, can you play um, Katy Perry? Like, I didn't have to do that. So like anymore so i didn't think it was necessary to like carry all that stuff i wasn't getting a ton of requests right and or playing you know i still play i'll use serato if i do a dj wedding because or private party because you want to make sure Mm -hmm. like you have what the aunties need and you have what the kids want and you need all of it Mm -hmm. but i think the majority of my work just started moving into the direction of like one hour i know exactly what i'm playing Mm-hmm. Um, I'm here to play R&B, right. and because it came became so niche, I, I felt like I could move over to USB sticks. I mean, you went. You need like two thousand songs instead of like twenty thousand. So you you were okay. basically like a working DJ, transitioning to like a showcase DJ, right? Where you just had like, uh, yeah. and that. Yeah. 
I, that makes sense. I mean, that does make sense nowadays. I mean, I, I've been thinking that way and for the first time approaching sets that way when I started live streaming. Just because yeah. I had to I had to have a plan when I when I went up there. I didn't just want to go there and do a bunch of club mixes or right. just kind of go through all all of the, all of my like club routines. I was like, I want to play specifically this. Yeah. And I can understand mm-hmm. just bringing sticks and being like this is what I want to play, putting your set together for an hour and a half and then just walking up with those joints. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it is, it's such a different mental approach than, you know, I was, I loved working off of my history, my Serato history. Yeah. I loved being able to type. You can't type on, on record box. You can't just walk up and be like, oh yeah, like I'm just going to vibe off of the set. I, the history I played, whatever on Wednesday, and then that one do over and then the other way, I'm just going to go back and forth between these playlists and this, these histories. Um, and then, you know, that you get that spur of the moment, like, Oh, what if I drop the beach boys or I don't know, whatever, uh, or the beastie boys, or I don't know, whatever you want to play. Like that is like very left field that could like make the crowd turn their head. Mm-hmm. You, you can't really do those spur of the moment type things, but you know, I think set by set by set by set, you do end up with the music that you actually need. Yeah. Did did you have an issue with like? Because I know for me, I'm I'm a very visual person. So looking at my laptop just gives me something to do while I'm on stage. Mm. And then you realize you don't have that element, so you're more kind of like conscious of what you're doing on stage. Maybe. Come on, she's a dancer, bro. What are you talking about, <laughs> man? I have never had a problem with like finding things to do while DJing. Like, she's fucking she's doing she's this. Eating. While she's, right. she's, hey. she's eating, <laughs> dancing, singing. Yeah, doing a lot of things. She's been doing this the I, whole interview, just like. Just, I know, like she put the move. But also, I, I would say, like, uh, I, I didn't like visually how it looks when you have Serato face. Like, yeah, I was yeah. a very big, like, I had Serato face in all my photos. Visually. Just like that stare. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> Looking at, like, I don't, am I checking my Facebook? I don't know. Like, it actually feels better to be more active mm-hmm. instead of like zoning in on something. I don't know. Like, but it, it, it definitely took a whole minute because you have to pre pre plan it. Yeah. Damn man. Well, I might consider, but probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you do consider it, this would be a great time to try. It. Right. And I tell people like, just like, Cause I'm a big record box advocate. I, I would say, mm-hmm. I just say like, start with one, like start with one hour set or a half hour set, put together a half hour set and then just go from there, put together another half hour set. And the more you, cause you have to like process everything through record box, add cue points the same way mm-hmm. you yeah. have built your Serato library with cue points for years. Right. So there, yeah. there is that aspect of like, all right, I gotta go back in and like, adjust the grid and like add a cue point here and here and here but if you do it a little bit over time yeah you'll end up with the right library that i'm sure dizza has now and he can do a full night on usb six he's lying though he's lying have you, <laughs> he's faking the funk have you have you checked out the new dj city they uh teamed up with bport and they they came up with a they have a a new streaming service for record box and i i think serato might be coming but it's really? lit, yeah it's called beat source beat source beat source oh and it's literally 
you can you're streaming music directly into your record box. Really? And yeah. and it's just like yeah. streaming where you can you can download certain songs into your laptop or wherever you want or you can you can, you know, have it separate, but it's basically you're not housing any tracks at all. And you can just sign and here's the beauty is that you can sign in and literally sign into anyone's record box and all your shit will show up. Yeah, it's all on a cloud. It's all in like a beat source cloud. Yeah. <laughs> Sick. Wait, yeah. I'm gonna do that as soon as we get off. If you want, after I'll uh I'll do an introduction email and I'll have them show you a quick tutorial if you want. They'll do that for you. Yeah, I'll hook it up. We we saw it and we saw it in record box. Yeah. And I was blown away. I was like, this is the future. Where I can literally it's gonna eliminate the laptop and I think they're gonna try probably find some way to incorporate this into the mixer or something. Yeah. And we're like, literally just gonna come in, log into our BeatSource account, have all our stuff, and the next DJ can just log into their account and just stream through Wi-Fi. And it, they have all of this music that we can't find, like right. all of the Whitney Houston library, like yeah. all of all of the Stevie Wonder library, like everything is legal. And they're working with the record labels to do it. And soon, hopefully, they're gonna be creating extended intros for all of these songs and it's going to be legal right it's not going to be like youtube rips that are oh no it's going to be like oh it's it's official it's it's going to be like straight up official with the the labels are going to be involved yeah it's going to be crazy yeah i'll I'll do an introduction email and i'll I'll have you link up with that definitely like the future yeah yeah for sure um, We're here for the future. <laughs> Sam, I don't want to take up any more of your time. And like yeah. I really appreciate you coming on the show. And uh and yo, it was, it was it was a it was a blast. I'm I'm really uh happy we got to find find out more about you and one four three and everything. And uh and we're gonna look forward to seeing you on Twitch too. Yes. You know? Yeah, definitely. DJing and eating. <laughs> and dancing. And dancing. And maybe singing. <laughs> You I'm never know what you get at Sam. She's the most animated guest we've ever had. <laughs> yeah, right? Ever. She's <laughs> um, thank you guys so much. I, I really enjoyed talking with you guys. No. I will see you on Twitch. Twitch, there we go. Definitely. Uh, Jamie, you want to, Jamie, you want to take us out? Hey. If you want to watch this video alongside all our brand new videos that we release every Friday on YouTube, please subscribe to youtube.com slash podcast. Like, comment, subscribe, hit the notification bell to be the first to get the video. And and a big shout out to DJ City, man. We're out. Yes. Peace. 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 Bye. Thanks, Bye. Sam. Thank you, Sam. Thank Thanks, you. Sam.